Thank you for choosing to listen to another exciting teaching from Revive Church. Please join us at either of our two Sunday morning locations, 9 a.m. at Revive Bitterroot, 3909 Highway 93 in Stevensville, or 10 a.m. at 2811 Latimer in Missoula. We also have a 6 p.m. evening service at 130 East Broadway in downtown Missoula. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your lives. May God richly bless you in the upcoming year. We are three weeks into 2019, and I have one question for you. How's everyone doing on your New Year's resolution? Great. Got some thumbs up. I've got some people kind of hanging their head a little bit. We're just, just 20 days ago, a lot of us made resolutions to exercise more, to cook and eat healthier, to read our Bible more, or spend more time with our kids and less time at work. But before you start to go feeling bad, if you've already dropped those New Year's resolutions, let me give you a couple of things to, uh, to consider. You're not alone. 46% of New Year's resolutions fall before or fail before the end of the first month. Um, here's a statistic that really shocks me, though, and kind of irritates me. That those of us over 50, yes, I'm over 50, only 14% of us actually achieve our, our resolutions. Is that sad? And those of you who are younger, who are uh, in your 20s, you have more energy, you have less bills, and, well, you should have less bills, but uh, you have a 39% chance of achieving your resolution. Well, my question is, why do we do this to ourselves every year? Why do we do that? Uh, if you're like me, I don't make resolutions. Well, at least I don't, I don't make them out loud anymore. So that means it counts, right? <laughs> Honestly, I probably do. Uh, Ann and I got together before the end of the year. I sound really loud. Am I really loud? Um, We got together before the first of the year, and uh, we created a budget. And uh, I didn't didn't make a New Year's resolution that I was going to stick to that budget, but deep down inside, I was going, I'm not going to buy that rod and reel unless it's in the budget. I'm not going to do it. I, ha- I have bought a rod already this year, but it was in the budget. It was in the budget. It was. Um, was it in this month or next month? No, it was in this month's budget. So, uh, you know, and, and we started out with a, a new meal plan this year. You know, did I make that resolution of I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to declare that I'm going to eat better in 2019? Nope. I don't want to be part of the 86% of over 50 who fail. So I didn't declare that, but honestly, I did tell myself that I was going to eat better. I was going to go to the gym. I was going to work out. And I did yesterday. I left the house at 1 o'clock to go to the gym. You'll be proud of this. I was going to the gym. I was working out. The gym was locked. <laughs> so I went to Super 1 and got an ice cream cone. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's right. So I am keeping all those resolutions. I am. I'll talk to you about them over a plate full of potluck food that's not on my diet. We can talk about it. As I look back over my life, goals that I've set, New Year's resolutions I've made, there's one thing that stands out to me. There's one factor that's a common factor, common denominator of the reason why I failed New Year's Year's resolutions or goals. That one common denominator is the reason I think all of us fail. Um, it's the reason why we don't reach our goal year after year, where we set a goal at the beginning of the year, and 12 months later we look back and we go, we're in the same spot as we were 12 months ago. What are we doing? That one factor 
is us. It's me. It's the reason why I fail. See, the problem with New Year's resolution is they're me-focused. It's I have to work harder. I have to achieve this goal. I have to have self-control to put away the bag of potato chips, which is my Achilles heel. If, I, if, if it wasn't for potato chips, I would be lean and mean. I'd have a six-pack, you know? But, but it's, I've got to have that self-control. So New Year's resolutions and oftentimes goals are all me-focused. They're all focused on us to accomplish it. We've got to have enough willpower. We've got to be better. We've got to do more. And that's just, it's not going to work that way. We've got to remove our focus off of us. If God gives us a goal, or if we look at ourselves and go, you know what, we need to be healthier, or we need to eat healthier, our focus has to go off of us, and it has to be on God. He's the only way we're going to accomplish goals that he gives us. I want us to turn in our Bibles today to 2 Timothy 2, 11 and 13. If you haven't brought your Bibles, it'll be up on the screen, but I do encourage you to bring your Bibles and, or to at least follow along on a phone or a tablet. I'm reading today from the Amplified Version. It says, This is a faithful and trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, true to his word and his righteous character, for he cannot deny himself. Paul's writing to Timothy here, and he gets his attention in the middle of this chapter and says, Timothy, here's, hey, Timothy, here's a faithful and trustworthy saying. And the first thing I thought is, you know, a lot of times we've got all kinds of sayings in our, in our culture. A lot of times they're old wives' tales. I mean, how many times did your mom yell at you, you know, move back away from the television, you're going to go blind. Mom always was yelling at me like that. Or, or don't cross your eyes, you're going to get stuck that way. You know, it's old wives' tales. It's sayings that, that you've heard. And that's not really what Paul's referring to. He's not saying this is a trustworthy and, and faithful statement that's an old wives' tale or just a statement that, that, you know, that you hear. He's really saying that, hey, hey, listen up. What I'm about to tell you is true and it will always be true. So what does Paul say here that's so important to us? First thing is, in that first verse, it says, if we died with him, meaning if we died with Jesus on the cross, then we will also live with him. So obviously, we didn't die with Jesus on the cross. But you know what? Our sins did. So, I mean, that's good news. That's good news, guys. Our sins died on the cross. Every sin that we have committed and every sin that we will commit died on the cross. It's covered in Jesus' blood. But what does it mean to die with him? To further explain this concept of dying with him and living with him, let's look at Luke 9, 23 and 24. Jesus is talking to his disciples here, and he had just told them... Just a second, sorry. Um, <laughs> notifications popping up on my tablet. That's crazy. All right, he had just told them of his impending crucifixion and resurrection. He had just told them that he was, he was going to be crucified. Um, and this is what he charges with them, uh, to them. He says, and he was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interests, and take up his cross daily, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come. 
and follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example and living, and if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of the faith in me. For whoever wishes to save his life in this world will eventually lose it through death. But whoever loses his life in this world for my sake, he is the one who will save it from the consequences of sin and separation from God. If we deny ourselves, our selfish interest, and have willingness to face whatever persecution will come our way for His name's sake, we will essentially have died with Him. And we will live with Him here on earth and in eternity. If we'll lay down our own desires, our own striving, our, only, our worldly climbing that ladder, you know, trying to stay up with the Joneses, if we'll just put that aside and ask God, what is your will? What do you want me to do daily? You know, Callie is, I wasn't going to say this, but Callie, my middle daughter, is such an example to me. She's got a lot on her plate. She is on the leadership team of the downtown congregation. She runs a business called Doorstep Organics, where we deliver organic produce right to our customers' doorsteps every other week. And, and she's just got a lot on her plate, and she's trying to figure out how to make that business work. And she kept looking at what she thought she needed to do. And God kept saying, no, you don't need to do that. You need to ask me daily what you need to do. And, and, and that's such an example to me because how many times do I get up and I just go headlong into what I think my list is, you know, and there's no consideration of, God, what do I need to do today? What do I need to do today? What do I, I'll lay down my, my goals, I guess, or my to-do list or my selfish ambitions sometimes and say, God, what, what, what do you want me to do today? And it's amazing what opportunities he'll open up if we'll do that. Um, if we'll live our lives for Jesus, it'll actually save our lives. If we'll give our life for Jesus, he'll save us. We'll live a life closer to God and our sins will be covered by his grace. We will live with him. The second faithful and trustful statement is if we endure, we will also reign with him. The word endure in this passage is from the Greek Hupamano, and it means to remain or to hold fast in one's faith in Christ. And it can also mean to bear bravely or calmly. If we will hold fast the faith in Christ, we will reign with Him. That means having faith in who He is. We have to have faith in Him as a father. We need to have faith in Him as a shepherd. And we need to have faith in Him as our Savior. See, those three roles of God, I think, are completely different. And we need to have faith in each of those roles. Most of the time, it's easy, us, easy for us to have faith in Him as a Savior. Um, we don't really question the validity of His grace or that His ability of His shed blood to cover our sins. Now, sometimes we question our worthiness. Okay, but that's just Satan trying to question Him as our Savior because we don't have to be worthy. Okay, we are not worthy. All right, but His grace covers our sins. Yeah. So we don't question necessarily Him as our Savior. If you've asked Jesus into your heart, you didn't ask Him into your heart, and then the next day say, well, did you really come in my heart? You know? I mean, again, we might have questioned whether or not we were worthy enough for Him to do that, but that's not right. We shouldn't question that because when we ask Jesus into our heart, He comes. Okay? And, it's, and His grace makes us righteous, all right? <clears throat> but we don't question that ability. We don't question that grace. Um, Isaiah 44.2 says, and it's a great verse that reminds us of His saving grace. It says, I have swept away your offenses like a cloud. 
your sins like the morning mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. I love that imagery. I mean, we had an emergence at the beginning of this week, or maybe it was last week, that clouds can be so just depressing almost. You know, I mean, it's just all over you. Um, unless you live up upper up, up woodchuck and it's sunshiny and they see the clouds, you know. But, um, but, but you know what? That cloud, even though sin can be that cloud of darkness over us, God just, whew, he just wipes it away. It says right there, he just, he just takes your offenses like a cloud and he just, he just wipes it away, sweeps it away. Most of the time, we can also have faith in Jesus as our leader. All right? He leads me beside still waters. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. You know, we, we can dive into his word and we can learn more about his character. And the more that we dive into his word, the more we can trust him, the more we can have faith in him. Um, but can we truly have faith in him as our father? See, a father provides, a father protects, and a father loves unconditionally. Not all of us had that growing up as a, a heavenly, as an earthly father. Not all of us had that example. So a lot of times we look at God the Father and we can't necessarily trust Him because our earthly father didn't provide for us or didn't protect us or didn't love us unconditionally. But our Father in heaven does. Here's the key to this whole passage. I think is verse 13 of 2 Timothy 2. It says, If we are faithless, He remains faithful true to his word and his righteous character, for he cannot deny himself. I love how the Amplified Classic Version, there's so many versions of the Bible, but I try to stick with a few, but um, the Amplified Classic Version says, if we are faithless, if we do not believe or are, are, or are untrue to him, he remains true, faithful to his word and his righteous character, for he cannot deny himself. See, it's not about us. It's not about us. When we can't have faith in Him as a father, or we can't have faith in Him as our Savior, if we can't have faith, if we don't have enough energy to, to, to even to accomplish our, our uh, New Year's resolutions and make it past the first month, that's okay. Because our Father, we can depend on that faithfulness. That's what's amazing. We can partner with His faithfulness. It's about realizing that we serve a God that even when we are weak, He is strong. Jeremiah 50, verses 30, verse 34 says, the rede Their Redeemer is strong. The Lord of hosts is His name. He will most certainly plead their case and defend their cause so that He may bring rest to their land, but turmoil to the inhabitants of Babylon. Even when our faith wavers, He is faithful. If, we'll focus, you know, if we focus on our circumstances, oftentimes our faith becomes weak. If we look at what's going on around us and not on the Word of God and not on the faithfulness of our God, then sometimes we start to doubt. We doubt His willingness or His ability to take care of us as a father. We can sometimes look to where we are in life and doubt Him sometimes as a leader. Lord, what have you gotten me into? I mean, even moving up here from, again, I was born and raised in Billings. I went to Oral Roberts University, so we spent 22 years in Oklahoma. Moving up here, I really wanted to get back home. And it was... It was awesome, but it didn't really go as planned. You know, after six months at Jim and Mary's RV park in the Y and a <laughs> camper trailer, you're going, God, what did you get me into? You know, but again, so you sometimes you question that. But again, I was looking at my circumstances. I was looking at what I was going through right then and there, not what 
the overall plan is. I look back 10 years, that was 10 years ago. October, I moved up in September of 2000, oh, it was eight though. Yeah, 2008, so it was 11 years ago. Um, and I brought the family up in October um, of, of 2008. And I look back and I'm going, you know what? You were leading me exactly where you wanted me to go. Yeah. Exactly where I was supposed to be. I mean, it's just been amazing. All of us at one time or another have doubted that he can really save us from ourselves. Not necessarily his saving grace, but we doubt sometimes that we're worthy. And again, that needs to, when, that, when those things get, when that pops into your mind, you need to say, nope, God's grace. God's grace is sufficient. And it doesn't matter what I've done and it doesn't matter what I'll do. I am serving him and that grace covers my sins. But I think this the verse is very clear that even in our faithlessness, he is faithful. Even in our doubt, he remains true to his word. He is faithful to what he has promised in his word, and he's faithful to his righteous character. God never changes. How many of you have heard the statement, the only thing that's consistent is change? That's a worldly perspective from the world, but we have a constant, unchanging God. In Malachi 3.6, God says, For I am the Lord, I do not change, but remain faithful to my covenant with you. That is why you, O sons of Jacob, have not come to an end. <laughs> it's, he's saying here, hey, I'm faithful. My character doesn't change, so you're still alive. That's what he's saying to them in that verse. Because he is. He's never changing. He's faithful. So what do we do when we face tough times? What do we do when we struggle with health or finances or relationships? What do we do when that bag of chips is just calling our name? And it's so good, and I want to eat that bag of chips. And the gym door's locked, so you got to go get a, you got to go get an ice cream cone. No, don't do that. But you got to go back to the question. You know what? I can't do it on my own strength, but my God is faithful. We serve a faithful God. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is eternally changeless always, the same yesterday, today, and forever. When our faith is weak, instead of trying harder or feeling bad or just giving up, because that's what usually happens. That's the, kind of the cycle, at least for me it is. I try harder, all right, and then I start feeling bad because I'm not doing any better, and then I just, let's go get an ice cream cone. <laughs> so I just give up. So, but when, that, when, when we're doing that, in that cycle, we just need to say, no, we just need to stop and say, God, I'm having a tough time. I need, to, I need to depend. I need to lean on your faithfulness now. I need to lean on your steadfastness. I need to lay, lean on your never-changing character. I think we can do that by diving into the Word and asking the Holy Spirit to re reveal truth. I think, Donna, ladies, if you can get into that, into that Bible study, it's going to be great. Because I think we need to be diving into the Word on a daily basis. Um, you know, and, and she's going to make it where it's practical. She's not going to overwhelm you. She's not going to, I mean, I know she was talking about cross-references and, and looking at this and stuff like that. It, it's going to be okay. If you don't know how to do that, that's okay. It'll, it's a great way to learn. Because you're going to just go step at a time, step at a time. And then as God starts to reveal to you what's cool, at least for me in the Scriptures, as I start to get into it, you know, at times there's just times of just reading. You know, nothing's really jumping off the page. 
And then there's times where something will jump off the page and then, and then you'll think of another verse and then God will direct you to something else. And like Donna says, you look at the Hebrew or the Greek and then it, it just starts to come alive. So I just encourage you to get into that. Um, you know, we can pray. We can have a simple conversation with God. Again, God, I'm struggling with this. Can I depend on your faithfulness? Can you help me through this? Um, and can you help me in my unbelief sometimes? I think that's exactly the, the, what happened with the father of the possessed boy um, in Mark chapter 9. If you don't know the story, a father brings his possessed son to the disciples. And the disciples can't cast out that demon. Jesus shows up and there's all this commotion. And he says, what's going on here? And the father, the boy, says, I brought my son to you to cast out this demon. And, um, and, and, and the, the father says, if, if, you can, if you can do this, will you please do it? And Jesus says, if I can, you know, do you believe? And the father says, yes, I believe. Help my unbelief. So in the, same, in the same thing, he said, I believe. And then he said, help me. I do have unbelief. I have both. Yeah. And Jesus didn't say, well, okay, it's just because you have a little unbelief. I'm not going to do it. You know, sometimes we teach that you have to have this supernatural faith to have things. I mean, the, the Bible says you need to have faith to please God. But you know what? His faithfulness, when we're unfaithful or when we have unbelief, his belief fills in the gaps. So Jesus healed that boy. Jesus turned. And this is what he says. The demon has, has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water intended to kill him. But can you do anything? Take pity on us and help us. Jesus said to him, you say to me, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes and trusts in me. Immediately the father of the boy cried out in desperate, piercing cry, saying, I do believe, help me. Help me overcome my unbelief. You know, so again, I, I just, I think that's a great story. I think it's a great example of what Jesus doesn't look at us and say, well, no, you have to have 100% belief or I'm going to do nothing. You know, no, 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 no. You know, it's like, Lord, I believe you can do it, but I do have some doubt. Can you, can you fill in that gap? Can your grace cover that doubt? I'll close today with one of my most favorite verses of all times. James 1.17. It says, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, the creator and sustainer of the heavens, in whom there is no variation, no rising or setting or shadow cast by his turning, for he is perfect and never changes. Our God is faithful all the time, all the time, and we can depend on that faithfulness, even if sometimes our weakness, in our weakness, he becomes stronger. So I just want to encourage you today, just give that, give that uh, doubt, that unbelief at times to him, and you know what? His grace will cover it, and his belief, his faithfulness, will fill in the gaps for our unfaithfulness. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your lives. May God richly bless you in the upcoming year.